And by the power of Castle Hate Skull. Just had to let you guys know that I can sing so well. By the power of Castle Hate Skull, I am Hello Mark Harley. And boy, oh boy, do we have a banger for you. So I actually, I'm going to start off this episode with a little link that I thought was... I didn't know where to categorize it, so I'm just like, let's play it up top, and then I'm going to give you my little lesson. My 2022 cut recap. So this guy, in January, he's 210 pounds. February, 190. Uh, March, 184. He's now, come on, video, go April, 178. And so we see, you know, pretty significant differences between each one. It's noticeable. Now he's 175. Of course, things are probably going to slow down a little bit as you go on. It's harder to just keep up the exact same pace of fat loss if you are fat to begin with july he's 172 and so we're approaching present time now uh i guess that's the end of the video but that's nearly 40 pounds in the course of seven months and what i wanted to point out with this video is often people underestimate the degree to which they need to lose weight in order to look a certain way um, we've been sold this meme by the fitness industry that, that certain parts of your body are just the issue. You're stubborn belly fat, right? That doesn't seem to go away. Or, you know, you're back fat or girls worry about different places on their body that are fat. You know, their love handles, their hip dips and their inner thighs, all these different things. Of course, we carry fat slightly differently from man to woman, from individual to individual. But like, if you have a belly, chances are you're 30 pounds away from being ripped. Ah, it's a tough truth, but at least if you accept that, you'll understand the, the distance of the journey that you have to go. And I don't think that's even particularly more daunting. I think the most daunting part is really getting yourself going and getting the fundamentals down. And that's why I, anybody who I talk to, it's like, let me get you a basic understanding of this notion of a caloric deficit. And, uh, and building, you know, the basic principles of a diet in relation to your own size um, because without that, you're not going to lose any weight. And I think, you know, for him probably getting, you know, that first 10 pounds, getting on track, getting to a place where he was consistent, I think that is a huge factor. It's not like you, you you lose 30 pounds. You're like, oh, but I'm running out of momentum or something. Or, or, you know, that generates its own momentum. Being in shape generates its own momentum because the better shape you're in, the easier it is to do the same workouts that you did before. The more that you work out, the more you're in a habit of working out. And this is part of your identity, your psychology, your mood, as we always talk about, mood stability. Um, and mood regulation for those of you who are emotionally intelligent and not emotionally tardoed. Banned, blocked. We're off YouTube. So this is now on Rumble. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us here on Rumble. And the haters will say on Rumble podcast with Rumble Mark Harley. So this guy, and I don't think he's that big because he was pretty fat too, like at 210 pounds. So. By compare, if I was that body fat percentage, I'd probably be like 280 or 290 at the height of 6'7 that I am. Now, <clears throat> this guy I'm assuming is 5'9, 5'10, 
210 pounds, lost 40 pounds, and, and was finally ripped. But just bite that bullet, guys. A lot of you guys, you know, if you're coming to me, if you're coming to me obese uh, and and you want a six-pack, right, because it's just a generic thing to say. I think there's many other reasons to motivate yourself to work out besides just getting a six-pack. But if that's the vision you have in your head, you may need to recalibrate your journey a little bit and understand that, like, you know, I have abs right now to a degree, but I'm still 20 pounds overweight, like easily, you know, like I look back at pictures of myself during the pandemic when I was doing a lot of body weight workouts, a lot of running and stuff like that. I was 230 pounds and my body fat percentage was great to me. Like looking back, I'm like, oh damn, I really was ripped. And, uh, you know, that can be a 20 pound difference, even though it might be like, oh, just a little bit here and there. We'll spread that out over my giant body and you got 20 pounds of disgusting fat. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out and people tend to overestimate or like underestimate the, the amount of body fat they need to lose. They tend to overestimate also the, the muscle that they need to put on in order to look a certain way. Because once you're down at a certain body fat percentage, like a pound of muscle is visible, noticeable, and it makes a huge difference. So like, you know, if you if your starting point is like, I want to lose 10 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle, it's like, well, try losing 20 pounds of fat and gaining five pounds of muscle. So double one and half the other. And uh, that'll be the Mark Harley math portion of the podcast for the day. But that's just a rough like idea of the ballpark that people are usually in and, and how wrong they are per usual. All right. The next segment, I'm actually really excited about this stuff. The next segment on help, I'm on peptides. It's not technically steroids here, but this is something that I don't know if I've ever been more excited to try a compound. And that's saying something because I've put a lot of stuff in my body. Kid loves compounds. The kid loves <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. The kid loves compounds. And it's true, yeah. you know. It's very true. So this compound that I'm talking about today Oh, and also it's a double entendre for compound lifts, right? Look at that. Wait, hey, buddy. Oh you know, so the, the picture is just me like doing an overhead press with a needle in my ass. <laughs> but they're both compounds, guys. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> the back of the shirt is an explanation of the joke. Mm -hmm. um, so this stuff is called cerebrolysin. And this was first brought to my attention by the uh, extremely intelligent Leo Rex of Leo and Longevity. Again, one of the best channels out there for kind of like my show, I'd say it's like it's, it's rooted in fitness. It's rooted in certain things like bodybuilding or gaining muscle, but it's a lot of branch offs from there. And Leo's is in a similar sense. You might get there because, oh, he's talking about an anabolic compound that I'm interested in, but then you'll go down the rabbit hole of his channel and, you know, be looking at his penis enlargement videos. Who knows? I don't know what you might be interested in looking at. I'm just taking a guess, okay? You little dick motherfucker. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, his his videos on random stuff like that, on the you know, on the cholinergic system, which is what nicotine affects, on the serotonin system, on the dopamine system, just off the top of my head, all these different system videos, um, they're super informative. And this is one of the things that kind of overlaps with these other like serotonin and dopamine because it's general brain function. 
Um, I'll read the description of what Cerebral Eisen is, and then we'll get into uh, the 1% of his video that I actually retained and can regurgitate for you guys. Cerebral Eisen is a mix of enzymatically treated peptides derived from pig brains. Now, hold on a second before you go. A lot of things are taken from pig brains, all right? It's okay to eat them, I think. It constitutes, uh, its constituents can include neuropeptides that are similar to fragments of natural nootropic factors, NTF. For example, uh, ciliary or yes, ciliary nootrophic uh, factor, CNTF, brain-derived nootrophic factor, BDNF, glial cells-derived nootrophic, nootrophic factor, GDN. And GDNF, which I knew any of what these words mean, nerve growth factor, NGF, and insulin-like growth factor, IGF, cerebralycin has been studied. Here's the real important part. It has been studied for potential use in a wide variety of neurodegenerative disorders. It can be beneficial in the treatment of dementia, including Alzheimer's disease, stroke, and traumatic brain injury. Ding, 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 ding. When I hear traumatic brain injury, my eyes light up. Now, the thing behind my eyes, my brain doesn't really light up because of the traumatic brain injuries that I've had. But hopefully after taking some cerebralycin, that will change it. So my understanding, um, and if you Google cerebralycin, Leo and longevity, the title of the video is something like changing my brain with um, like, you know, peptides or pig brains or something like that. Um, you know, a sort of clickbait title, but this stuff is very serious. It basically promotes the growth of neurons in your brain. It reduces general inflammation. And uh, it's used in things like, like somebody has a stroke and they immediately give a high dose of cerebral lysin and it seems to be neuroprotective, right? Um, if you have traumatic brain injuries and Leo's kind of like, why isn't this stuff given to MMA fighters after a fight? Because it can both protect your brain, and actually lead to a growth of your brain. There's th like he, went, he goes through a variety of studies in both animals and humans and makes sure to delineate those two things because it doesn't always overlap. Just because something happens in a rat doesn't mean that it's going to happen in a human. Um, and there might be more limited capacity for actually looking at you know, a human's brain. You can't just kill the people at the end of the study and look inside their brain you could but like you know that's more of a nazi germany thing it's yeah, like super frowned upon you know oh, like yeah it's like you know can we just we're competing with china and we still can't murder civilians and put them in a museum um you know as a, <laughs> thanks biden as a, as a must thanks biden um yeah that's a that's a reference to What's that thing of bodies in motion and it's all like chinese political prisoners you know as the bodies Puts a little, I'm glad I didn't know that going into it, but you find out afterwards, you're like, oh, that's pretty dark, huh? So <clears throat> this stuff, I'm actually about to order it uh, for myself. So if you walk in on me and I'm just doing math equations on the chalkboard in the hallway of some prestigious university, don't get mad that I'm the next Matt Damon. Just say, oh, this cerebral license finally kicking in, dude. Look at that. And, and if you if I come in one day and it's like, whoa, dude, like this... Like, my hat is suddenly, like, way tighter. It's like, oh, because his brain's growing. Um, it does apparently cause brain growth. And I'm not going to say it increases your IQ, but I read certain things. Like, it increases your working memory and your ability to recall things. Well, that's sort of like these elements of IQ. It can 
uh, potentially reduce anxiety, and that's what Leo uh, was actually taking it for, and describes some debilitating social anxiety, amongst other things that the cerebralizin seemingly cure, because some of these things, like when you look into, you know, what is the purpose of SSRIs, part of it that takes a while, but, you know, is uh, ultimately what you're looking for is neurogenesis. It should make you create uh, new neurons. And that's apparently something that cerebralicin does very well. And the side effect profile is very safe. So that's most of what I want to say about it because I want to look into it more and kind of, you know, I'll guide you in the right direction. I'll go, hey, you want to hear about all the studies and all the ways in which um, it, it shows a lot of promise just for doing like you'd have to you have to study it in really specific ways you know it's like let's compare the motor function you know after a month of use in between stroke victims or something like that you know it has to be hyper specific you can't just be like does this make you smarter or not or you know that's a more difficult you know test to implement i would assume but i'm interested to try it and even uh, vigorous steve had a video that i just watched where he was talking about taking cerebralizin just for central nervous system recovery after strenuous workouts because i don't know if you know this but like when you have a strenuous workout like let's say you do a crazy leg day that affects your entire body and your brain you know are you going to be at your sharpest after doing 30 hard sets of legs probably not you're going to be very physically exhausted but also mentally exhausted and that's you know part of like overtraining or feeling beat down when you've done a lot of heavy days in a row is this central nervous system which all central nervous system fatigue which all starts in your brain and he said his central nervous system fatigue or recovery was enhanced tremendously with that so another sort of anecdotal evidence point that this stuff does have an effect on your brain i'm ordering it from cosmic nootropics the dosing can be like two milliliters to if you're a stroke victim they set up to like 60 you know so <laughs> five milliliters in a syringe is the most that you can probably get online and you can you know inject it intramuscularly or intravenously i'm far too much of a pussy to <laughs> intravenously inject anything on my own uh, i'd have to hit up my local phlebotomist for that but uh, I will be trying it in the near future, and so just don't be surprised if I come back with the receipts and it's like, oh, he's got a three thousand IQ. Like, sorry, not I told you, you know, but now I'm now I bought all the cerebralizin on planet Earth. <laughs> hey, Mark, what's gotten into you today? Well, I'll tell you what's gotten into me today: some happy hippo kratom. Where do I get that? at happyhippoherbals.com. And I use promo, promo code THICKBOY. Even though I have it free at the office here, again, I, I like to support the company because it's a great company and I believe in supporting small businesses. Now, how do you feel on it? Well, I feel warm. I feel happy. I feel like I can support other people being happy because my mood is taken care of. And that's really all I can ask for in a substance, in an all-natural herbal compound that has the purest ingredients in a world where you can't always guarantee that when it comes to Kratom. But if you do, go to happyhippoherbals.com, use promo code THICKBOY, you won't be disappointed. I guarantee it. 
you know, a lot of people have been asking me lately, Mark, was that really an oak and stone shirt that Brendan wore on the Joe Rogan Fight Companion reunion show? Well, yes, it was, okay? And God damn, did he look good. And God damn, do I look good right now in the same shirt, just in gray. And oh, you can wear it to a special event. You can also just wear it podcasting with a cool Brandon Bill's hat on, and it's just like casual mode. Like nobody looks at me and goes, he's overdressed. They go, he's over sexy for sure, but overdressed? No, he's the perfect amount of dressed in Oak and Stone clothing. And if you go to oakandstonecloathing.com and use code Hella at checkout, guess what? You're going to get 10% off, and you're also going to be able to talk to me afterwards and be like, hey, look, I bought this thing. And I'll be like, cool, I'm coming up with another promo right now for the month of September. <laughs> You know, it's a big surprise. Like I have it; it's ready to go. It's, but I just I can't tell you like yet because we're waiting for the launch date, and that I just want everything to be perfect. So check back in with me um, in three to eight days, and you'll know what you're getting. Bye bye. Okay, let's just talk about some subful items because <laughs> it's actually like I I sneak this in. I go like, oh, you don't even like. I'm not necessarily going to say sub right at the beginning of the conversation. It might be a little bit later, but we'll still get it in. I went to a movie last night called The Blonde Experiment. This is a multi-year journey to friends of mine and a woman I went to high school with, Veronica Mannion, who's on Insecure. She plays Kitty. She's one of the white workers at uh, the place where Issa Rae's character uh, had a job. And so, you know, she'll make a few appearances every season. Very talented actress, very talented singer, songwriter. She directed a movie on a, on a shoestring budget a few years ago called Boys, Booze, and Brownies, which I was also in. And again, just making something out of an extremely low budget, very impressive to me, especially if you're in the film industry and you know like what it takes to get all these people together and come out with something that even makes sense. You know, telling a linear story is difficult enough. And she's been able to, uh, with her co-writer and co-director on this one, her good friend uh, Ariel Hart, has made a movie called The Blonde Experiment, which is a fun buddy comedy about these girls who decide to uh, dye their hair blonde or really wear blonde wigs and reap the benefits of, of being blonde. But it's very heightened, very absurd. Um, uh, lots of music and physical comedy and stuff like that. They made this, I look back at the Seed and Spark, it was 25000 bucks that they raised three years ago. And it's just now getting out to theater. So that's another reminder to people of like, you know, if you're trying to make movies or do anything on, on this scale, it can be a long time. And, and uh, you know, it's got to come from a place of really, really, really wanting it. Because people will come up to me like, oh, I want to make this movie. And it's like, you know, would you be willing to make it for 25000 bucks over the course of three years? Maybe so. But it has to be a labor of love like that that you're willing to see all the way through because... 25 G's is not a lot of money, and so you got to be calling in all the favors. Anyway, went to the screening last night, thought it was fantastic. The whole audience was laughing, and that's just special because, again, you're you're competing. We're used to seeing movies that, at minimum, you know, we'll consider a small indie film something that was made for $5 million, you know, so this was made for like a day, you know, the budget of, of one day of shooting for one of the stars of a movie that's a you know mid-range five to ten million dollar picture it's but the principle here that I really want to get at is creativity especially in storytelling goes such a long way so 
if you have a really good story and you have humor, that will be 90% of the thing. And even just drawing the best talent and drawing you know, the best actors, the best directors, the best editors, and people who will also invest into this, it all starts there. So write a better script. How about that, huh? Also, I went to Joshua Tree. Get, get over it, dude. Like, like People are like, oh my God, Joshua Tree again? This is the second time in three years. Um, did I do some MDMA? Yes, I did, all right? And my takeaway from that is the hangover is too bad to do it all the time. It's very fun while you're doing it and it's an empathogen. I think the things that you say are both like, I have access to the memories of my thoughts and feelings while I'm on MDMA and I feel like that is the nature of healing and this compound used as a therapeutic is the fact that you can remember these things. You're not just like getting drunk and destroying your memory. What happened last night? I was so lovey-dovey and like, I'm in love you, you're my best friend, but then I forgot in the morning. You're actually able to recall your perspective with heightened empathy and love, right? This is the drug of love, but to me what that means is just, being more open and empathic, which allows you to see things from other people's perspectives. So you can have discussions and work on things, um, like work through issues. It's not just something for fun. You can think about problems that you have that are interpersonal. You can think about past trauma. You can turn this into a therapy session if you want. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> do drugs so you can do a therapy session on yourself. Uh, sounds like a fantastic Saturday night, but it's true. And I'm not encouraging you to do that, but what I'm saying is I see I see where people are coming from using this as a legitimate uh, therapeutic device because you might be able to make some progress. You know, you don't just wake up like, whoa, what happened? I licked your booty hole all night? That's crazy. Where's the video? I also went on an electric bike ride. Uh, people, you know, <laughs> I always see people giving shop shit for getting on the electric bike, like on these huge bike rides. Turns out it's not as easy as you would think, right? Even in the highest gear, it provides some assistance, but like you're still pedaling. Have you ever done an e-bike? No. Yeah, it's like, I thought the E was for easy, but it's not. It's for like, eh, could be more powerful. Um, no, we still, we got, I don't know how far we went. We went deep into the, uh, the mountains and, uh, you know, could have gone a longer route, but we'll save that for another day, yada, yada. So whatever it was, I was like, oh, this is, it, it, it surpassed my expectations as far as difficulty because you can make it as difficult as you, as you want, right? You can have it be a regular bike or you can have a little assistance or a little more, right? There's three different levels. There's levels to the e-bike game is what I'm saying. And did we see any rattlesnakes? No. And so I'm starting to wonder, is Brendan just making this shit up? You know, he's always like, oh, I saw a rattlesnake. I'm like, it's funny that only you've seen rattlesnakes. Like, uh, you know, I remember one time he brought in that place. He's like, oh, I caught one. And we're like, that's a plastic snake yeah, dude. that you put a baby rattle on the back of. Wow. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah. Those are gummy worms. Bro. Those are, <laughs> you brought a pack of gummy worms in. Oh, my goodness. You know, I wanted to hit y'all with an unconventional back workout for this week's Pro Science Academy. Last week I did the, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Without the applause, if, I wasn't gonna do the segment. If there's one thing that grinds my gears, it's a fucking conventional back workout. 
<laughs> Walk into the gym and see people doing lat pull downs. You're just like, come on. Or you just throw a fit, you know? It's like, um, smash your fists through the uh, display case at the 24 hour fitness check in kiosk. Look, that's a really specific vision that I'm having of the glass there and what I would do. Okay, maybe it's different at your gym. I don't know, but. Fuck something up. So go through it real quick. Unconventional back workout. Weighted body weight rows. Wait, is it body weight? Is it extra weight? What's going on here? I'm talking about you're on a Smith machine or any sort of barbell setup that's close enough to the ground where your back is almost touching when your arms are fully extended like this and your feet are ideally up on something. Your feet are extended, right? And they're up on a bench, ideally around the same level that you're grabbing uh the bar at maybe a little bit lower, but then, you know, that, first of all, that's a great exercise in and of itself, especially because I think movements like that promote you to use good form. You can't swing, you can't use momentum. And I'm typically motivated to like try to get that extra few inches of squeezing at the end of the movement more so than other back movements, other rowing movements. Now, what if you add a plate to your chest or something like that? Fantastic right? And it's not that hard or put it on your stomach or your pelvis or wherever you need to do that to overload this movement. And it kind of almost guarantees you good form because your upper body has to be, uh, you know, a plank in order to pull this off. And you'll know if your body's moving out of that position and your hips are bending or whatever. So as long as you can keep a plank, you're probably doing good form. Also rack pull-ups. Have we talked about that before? This is a Movement that is part of DC training that Dante Trudeau came up with, but it's basically, imagine you're on that same Smith machine or barbell setup. You know, you're in a cage of some sort. You want a, you want to grab the bar in a wide grip pull-up uh, grip that, you know, so you're, you're looking like this, you're outstretched. You don't want to be straight up and down. You're outstretched. You want to have a stretch on your lats and your carries at the top of the movement or, the, sorry, the bottom of the movement. Your butt wants to be off the ground, maybe touching or like just hovering above. Your back wants to come straight down. So I'm sitting here, my back's straight up and down. I'm bent at the uh, hips. Once again, my feet are coming up to rest on a bench or something that elevates them. Uh higher than your hips, right? So you want to be making like a little, you know, tilted V shape, but your back is straight up and down. Do a pull up like that. What you'll notice is it keeps your back perfectly straight up and down and makes, uh, you know, the last few inches of that movement again, very difficult because you can't like pull back, you know, you can't arc your back to get up. You have to just keep pulling straight up and down. Then what you want to do is add weight to your lap. You can do that with a plate, with a dumbbell, uh, a lot of people prefer those fixed barbells because you can balance it, you know, just the bar in your lap. You start adding weight like that and you'll see you don't need a whole lot to make it the equivalent of a very heavy lat pull down, except you're sort of guaranteeing this good form. I like it better just because it creates a, a more straight up and down movement if that's what you're going for in a vertical pull. The next one we're going to do is rack deadlifts. Everything is just racked up today. Rack deadlifts are basically anything that's like slightly below the knee or even right above the knee or at the knee. It's a deadlift in a cage. You're going to be able to do more weight. Now, when you take that beginning position out of the movement, 
that hip hinge, when you reduce that, what you are doing is building uh, your spinal erectors, building your trapezius, and you're also building your lats when you're just holding on. Now, I would use straps for this, obviously, because it's often going to be much more than you can do deadlift reps at. When you're just moving a weight and your whole body is struggling just to not let your arms rip out of their sockets, that's going to build your traps, right? All that stretch downward like this. You don't need to shrug it. You're going to get the trap work. Uh, you're going to get the lat work. You're going to get the spinal rectum. And it does have carryover, in my opinion, to deadlifts, right? Not perfect. You can't just do rack deadlifts, but you'll be able to handle more weight. It's a great central nervous system uh, stressor. And you will grow from it. You know, this is one of my favorite overall backlifts that a lot of people poo-poo, right? Because they just think you're cheating at a deadlift, but it's a different movement. And then finally, I even tried this myself, but I saw somebody do it and I was like, I need that in my life. It's a rear delt behind the back barbell raise. So imagine you're bent over at the waist, or you take a barbell really, you have it behind your back, you're standing, then you bend over at the waist and lift it up and back. Can you kind of imagine what's that, what that's doing? You're getting this really hard contraction in uh, a not very strong position for your rear delts. But it works, right? And so I'll be trying that. I'll be filming it. And I'll be allowing you guys to laugh at me when I inevitably fail. Now, <laughs> we're introducing a new segment, okay? It's, it's the Patrice O'Neill portion of the podcast. Do you mind starting this video at 209? I thought this was... I, I don't mind. <laughs> Ready? Uh, yes. Anyway, but it's either she's happy or I'm happy with a possibility of her being happy. Are you here? My happiness is paramount because let me tell you why. A man's happiness is very, very simple. It's based on... Uh, it's not based on intellectual shit. It's not based on some metaphysical shit. It's based on gut happiness. We can waste time and be happy. Check. We can daydream and be happy. Check. Now, when we're happy and we have an abundance of it, it trickles down to a more complicated, needy creature who needs shit that who, she Who could he be referring to? <laughs> so I have to be in, in compliance and I have to be in tune with your your soul to know what is going to make you happy. Now, how does it be in tune to your soul By talking. if I'm unhappy? By talking. Talking makes me unhappy. <laughs> we can edit there. So, I, you know, this YouTube algorithm, you start watching one thing and then it recommends you more and more and more. And there's, there's a channel or probably a few channels that just upload these amazing clips of Patrice O'Neill talking on the opening Anthony show. And... I knew Patrice O'Neill was a genius before this and like he's widely considered a comedic genius, but his ability to philosophize on male-female relationships is actually quite incredible. And I find myself agreeing with many of the things he said, even though they can come off as harsh because what he's saying right now is basically like, it doesn't matter if your woman's happy, like don't prioritize that over your happiness. And the, the beat before that, he was talking about, look, my girl wants to move in with me. I'm not going to let her because she's she's got her own place. I don't want her to be there on her period or whatever. And I don't know if that's like a mood thing or, you know, a different reasoning for that. But, like, it comes off as harsh. And the woman in the situation who's in, on the show with them is protesting to that. Um, 
but you just can't come at Patrice O'Neill and have some weak-ass argument. He just knows how to destroy everyone's counterpoints. And in this case, the point that he's making is, if you put a woman's happiness over your happiness, sure, she might be happy, but you're definitely not going to be happy. And if you prioritize your own happiness, you can be happy, and there's a better chance that she's going to be happy as a result. There's still no guarantee, um, because as he's saying, men's happiness is far more simple. And I kind of believe that, you know, I just feel like I know the things that make me happy and they are very simple. And it often just comes down to like, am I moving every day? Am I doing things every day? Am I like in enough contact with people that I'm close with every day? It's, you know, am I getting food every day? And we all know that women can be more complicated than that, but it's also just this general life lesson of prioritizing your happiness over other things because everything else you do is predicated uh, on your happiness. As a man, happiness and what that is is a different discussion, but I would just say your mental well-being, your, your mental health. You don't need to be like exuberant and happy and overjoyed, but you need to be feeling your best to a degree. You need to be thinking clearly. You need to be at least not like negative and resentful because nothing comes from that. And you can't provide for other people effectively when you feel a sense of scarcity. And I notice that with other people too, like when other people feel threatened, you can't be generous, you know, and that's part of this like Molly conversation. It changes your emotional landscape to a degree that you feel safe, like giving and cooperating and negotiating and you know, meeting somebody halfway, I guess would be another way to put it. Being vulnerable. If you're under attack, it's very hard to be vulnerable. I always say this about, you know, people coming to my page and hate. It's like, you're not funny. And I would acknowledge it if it was a really good joke or, you know, you're roasting me in an original or funny way, but you're angry. And that affects your ability to be creative and to be lighthearted and like come up with a joke outside of something that really signals your resentment. That's an analogy to this situation where if you're a guy and you realize like I'm with somebody, whether it's a woman, whether it's a male friend, whether it's a parent, whether it's anybody in your life who's taking disproportionately and they don't care about your well-being, you're never going to feel great because nobody, including yourself, is looking out for you. And it's an argument for selfishness to a degree, just that you cover your basics because that makes you a better, especially as a man, when you're expected to provide and give certain things to other people, you're going to be performing your best and in a position to give others what they need if you look out for yourself and don't let anybody convince you otherwise, you know, and that's something that I struggle with too, because I've, you know, been told many times in my life that I'm selfish just because like, you know, I'll get somebody pregnant and they have a kid and I go out for cigarettes and 10 years later they're calling me like, whatever happened? And I'm like, dude, like I have to look out for me. So <clears throat> no, but I have been called selfish many times in my life by manipulative people. Now I've had people will call you selfish and it could be legitimate, but I'm talking about, oh, when I don't do something that you want me to do, suddenly I'm selfish. But that still plays in your brain like anything where it's like, wait, am I, you know, and, and you're sitting there like, I've heard it before, heard it both ways, right? Am I selfish and a terrible person or am I a good person? Well, you know, 
you're going to be a worse person if you allow people to tell you that you're a bad person for not being 100% selfless and kowtowing to their demands. Okay, can we just, is that a good enough thing for the first one? Oh my God. Are we, are we already at, good thing I have 30, this is why we can't have nice gyms. <laughs> How you know it's time to switch gyms. And what this guy's doing is like a lat pull down into a tricep extension. I've never related so much to a video in my life because when I see this, and I used to see this all the time, for example, like LA Fitness in Hollywood, uh, it comes to mind. I would work out there and I'd see these dudes in the morning who like, I'm not gonna say they were like, didn't have any muscle, but it's like, it's you're not looking at a guy with, a, with an enviable physique. And they'd put the whole stack on the, the tricep you know, machine or a cable stack with the, the, the apparent intention of doing a tricep movement, but instead of just having the weight and actually doing it properly, they're starting off with a pull down and using all the momentum. And I get like, okay, a little momentum at the start, which would still be sort of improper, but like I'm talking about like you're lowering it for three feet before you get to the triceps. And again, I just look at these people and go, what went wrong in childbirth that you're now adding this lat pull down to your tricep extension? I don't know. You know, can we get you some cerebral and callback? I mean, we're talking about nootropics here. Um, it makes me want to leave this earth, frankly. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's like nobody ever told you. Nobody in this gym is going to, and I'm not going to tell you because I know people don't want to hear that, but like, how did you make it through life to this point where you think that's working your triceps? You're wrong. You're just wrong. The fitness community body dysmorphia be like, uh, shredded. This guy's like 3% body. It's one of these charts, right? Shredded is like 3% body fat. Lean is like 6% body fat. Fat is like 10% body fat. <laughs> obese is like 15%. Morbidly obese is like, you know, 18, 19%. And dead is anything over 20. I'm ascribing these numbers. It's just like, you know, dead is like a normal guy who looks like he has, um, you know, a little weight to lose around his uh, midsection. He's, he's having trouble targeting that stubborn belly fat. But it's true. And you know what? I don't mind that either because... I tell people, like, people, you know, you're going to get fat when you get older. I'm like, no, no, I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But I would, if I couldn't, if you told me, oh, you can't lose weight, I'm like, oh, well, got to leave this earth then somehow. This guy's hilarious. Skylar uh, Scotch, I think his name is. What Sorry. Leg day phobia. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> It might be in there. You don't need to train legs if you're swimming because no legs 2022. <laughs> uh, this guy does a lot of good leg day humor um, about how like you can't grow your upper body and your lower body at the same time, yada, yada. But it, like it's funny because it's, it's accurate. I feel like guys do actually have leg day phobia. Um, and I'm trying to correct that with the five-day-a-week leg day protocol that I'm the only person to ever think of. Only one. Oh yeah, me entering work after realizing I'm the only one who lives and therefore not legally obligated to listen to anyone. It's true, you're not. Um, it's Ace Ventura walking into the office with that. And it's kind of true though. I, I, <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I feel like this is part of this self-esteem and self-confidence. Like, 
when you lift, you kind of feel better about yourself. And maybe you look at other people who don't work out at all and you go like, I remember, even if you're not going, I'm inherently better than you because I work out. There is an element to which I look at people who don't do any sort of exercise and I feel bad for them because I know they're not as happy as they could be. I know their sense of well-being just on a mental level, but also those tricky elements of like your self-perception and your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself, which of course can change moment to moment for many people, um, but exercise is one of those things that helps keep that consistent for me. And uh, so yeah, I feel better when I work out and I look at other people and go, oh, must suck to be you, fatty. Can we... <laughs> This this guy gets down at a knee to propose and then gets a cramp in his hamstring. Ah, so funny. Because what are you going to do? Luckily, he's got like his team over here. Is this at the, like, what is going on? Uh, because these guys come in like a damn pit crew, you know. They're just like, get that hamstring all ironed out. But what a hilarious moment and uh, extremely memorable too. He's down on a knee and then also just goes down to his face like, We've also, that's a good strategy if you're like going for the proposal and then you're like last second, you're like, Ma, this is a bad decision. Like, oh, I, no, I got to hit my hammy. Ah, and then you Casey with it. the ultimate bachelor perspective. <laughs> like, you know, I've thought about like, how would I get out of yeah. doing a proposal? Like, should I be in love with somebody you want to marry them? Yeah. But then like at the last second, change my mind. Until that rings on, you yeah. can still get the hell out of there. You're like fake assassination attempt. Also oh, a, a good one. Prom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the simplest one is yeah. just, oh, hey, and then they just like roll off like yeah. to the side. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I got to get to a doctor, but I can't stand. Her dad, so what do you do? Me at the end of the dinner table. And it's Jay Cutler, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's Jay. Uh, posing, just looking gigantic. And look, I have no shame in that. If you ask me what I do, it's like, isn't it obvious? I'm jacked. I'm professionally buff. When the spot, when the spotter grabs the bar too early, this cracked me up. No, 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 no. But it do be like that. Thanks, Biden. And I always, yeah, thanks, Biden. Thanks for grabbing the you. Biden ruined my PR. Can you believe this? True story. Anytime somebody just gets near it, you're like, you know, you're also like benching. So you're like, your face all tight, and you're like, communication is key. POV, what lifters think is going to happen when they start to search workout videos. Um, and this dude's... Hey, son, bro. That's so embarrassing, bro. That's so embarrassing, bro. Hey, come over here. Look at him. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Dude. He got kicked out of the gym for watching uh, how-to workout videos. And this is something that resonated with me because I feel like so many things can be solved by, like, you don't know how to deadlift? Go look it up. There's so many good videos online about how to perform these basic uh, fundamental lifts. So I wanna help you. If you come to me and you're like, how do you do a lift? I can tell you because I'm an amazing coach, but also I'm an amazing uh, YouTube guide. So I'm gonna tell you, go into YouTube, type in the lift that you just typed out to me because you have a hand computer at your disposal. And then you're going to figure it out and then come to me if you have any questions. But, you know, don't be embarrassed to look things up because I'm obviously the most advanced lifter in California and I'm still looking up how-to videos. So 
Does that make me gay? Maybe, but I can live with that. When you get caught deadlifting at Planet Fitness and it's Stone Cold Steve Austin getting kicked out of the arena, could we get some audio on that? Ed McMahon is the gym manager. And he's like, I did it and I'll do it again. It do be like that, though. There's one of those funny things where it's like, you know, deadlifting is the most basic exercise of all time. But if you walk into a plan of fitness or another gym that doesn't promote this, you know, that it has it in their head and their trainer's head that this is a bad thing to do. It's like the worst thing that you could ever do. It's like, how dare you? You cannot deadlift and drop a weight. There's techno music playing on the loudspeakers, but you are making too much noise. Another classic hair fail, hair bail fail. That's what I typed it. And ah, what is going on here? I don't know, but this is just a recommendation to everybody out there. If you have long, luxurious hair, put it all the way up um, or cut it off. But, you know, could have been a lot worse. She could have broken her neck. So this is really just a happy story of how this woman survived a traumatic injury at the hands of a squat rack today. This this video says, I don't know, I always kind of distrust these, you know, videos that women post. Uh, these guys didn't believe I could lift the same as them. Now, we see guys in the video. We see, like, guys who kind of, like, look a little bit skeptical, but, like, I'd want to see proof. They're like, no way, you're so weak. Because you look at this girl, you're like, dude, she's got a donk-a-donk. She's not super thick, but you can tell she works out. And then what is she lifting? I wish I could tell. Is that two 45s and a 35? It says 5 kg on the inside plate. Okay. Yeah, on the inside, and then there's what, a two 15. other? Are those blueies? Are those? I wish we knew because that yeah. would make that would make me have a better guess on whether these guys think she could, you know, is it 400 pounds? It's not 400 pounds, but the most it could be would be 295 like 315 i would say probably the most but even that she's capable of doing it you know it's strong for her but i just wish men would be not so judgmental oh you know i saw another funny thing that i'll just bring up because it's another like we jump on now sometimes women are right and sometimes this video totally could be true but there is this video going around of like an anchor fire because she chose to let her hair go gray, you know, and I'm like, you know, obviously, like I'm relating to that as somebody who's constantly discriminated about my gray hair. Um, I'm always threatened to be fired from my job here at Thick Boy purely based on my hair. They're like, Mark, your performance is perfect, but we just the gray hair. Like This is a young office. Could you could you young it up? Could you brown it up a little bit? And so I, I'm automatically my heartstrings are tugged by any suggestion that somebody would be discriminated against for having uh, hair the color of seagull shit. Now, if you look at the story, though, she, the guy who fired her, the owner of the company, is like, no, 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 that's not true. <laughs> like, there was no discussion of her just going gray. Um, it was coincidental. Like, she goes gray, and then at some point after that, she was fired. But everybody's jumping to her side, like, you know, like L'Oreal's like, old is beautiful, you know, whatever these uh, people jump on these things automatically and just want to ride this bandwagon of like, a oh, woman in peril, oh no, she's being discriminated against. You're like, was she the, like, what, are you sure she wasn't now? Okay. It's like saying like, a woman didn't get a role as a teenager because she's 50, like she's being discriminated against because of her clothing or, you know, it's like, it's, 
in the field of entertainment, yes, sometimes you can be too old for a job and that's a valid, unfortunately, uh, reason to replace somebody. You know, you've aged out of the position. Uh, like I did last year on my Disney shows. Um, you're like, Mark, we just don't buy you as a teenager anymore. So it's a real thing that happens. People would jump to the side of this person, and I just love I The last thing in the video that was said was uh, the company that she worked for, this news station, is hiring like an independent investigator to look into it. So it's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I kind of hope that it all comes out that it was like, no, no, no. She was actually... You know, it's super difficult to work with and nobody liked her at the station or whatever. It's like, oh, that was it. But we spent a year saying it was because she has gray hair. That would be delightful. But I hope they uh, resolve this peacefully. I do not skip leg day. This man's going up to this, what would you call that? A, a, the thing that you put trash in that goes on a truck normally? Like, it's a giant trash can, right? But you'd normally load that up in a truck. Incredible vocabulary lessons here on, on Haters Will Say. This guy, but he goes at his back and uses it like a leg press. Impressive. Because I'm really going like, you walked by this and you thought, I'm going to lay on my back and leg press it. You know, that would be the last thing on my mind, passing something like that. But you got to, and even the range of motion is pretty good. Albeit he has a giant belly, so his knees touching his stomach is not that impressive. But, you know, more range of motion there than a lot of people that I see at 24 Hour Fitness on the leg press. Not going to name any names. Uh, is that it? Mm -hmm. Is that all the things? Mm -hmm. Because guess what? Crushed it. Nailed it. And if you see a headline about me getting fired from Thick Boy Studios, it's because of my gray hair. And we all need to stand together and rise up and support me being old as fuck.